everybody is not good at everything. I believe that somebody is good at raising money may not be good at the numbers. Somebody good at the numbers may not be good at the operational level. So I think delegating the duties works best for the syndication process. Thank you for joining us on Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today I'm here with KK Singh. KK has uh, just a wealth of experience in a variety of passive income modes, methods, modalities, everything you like. His resume is seriously impressive. He's got a background of owning 40 single family homes, multiple gas stations. And as we talk today, correct me if I'm wrong, you just closed on one yesterday. Am I getting that right? Uh, not closed. We just made a deal on it yesterday. Made, just made a deal on one. So we got another one coming, a laundromat. And he's also been a general partner or a limited partner in over 2,500 multifamily vacations. So KK, you've got just a ton of experience. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be on your show, Taylor. Uh, well, uh, pleasure's all mine as well. So could you tell us, you're telling me before we got started recording a bit about your story and how you got started investing in gas stations and why you got to that and what your background was as a busy professional. Could you tell the listeners about where you came from and how you got started in I- investing? I came from India in 2000 uh, as a Microsoft certified system engineer and lost my job in 2001. And uh, I got an offer from my friend to come to the gas station business. And I had no choice, but uh, I moved on to the gas station business and started as a cashier and grew from there and built up my own portfolio of gas stations with my partners, uh, mostly friends and family. That's awesome. And you have, I'm looking at your resume. I want to get the right number though. Right now, gas stations, you have eight. Yeah, I have eight gas stations. Yes. Wow. That's incredible. And a laundromat and a car wash. A laundromat and a car wash and multifamily real estate. Correct. And single family. And single families. And you were telling me before we started recording your responsibilities as well with the gas stations. You've gotten to the point where you're out of the business. You're the business owner. You're not the employee, essentially. You're not the self-employed person there. Correct. I'm not I'm not involved into day, day-to-day operating of the gas station business because I have partners. They have been my partners for the last 20 years, and they do a pretty good job, and I totally trust them. And if they need any advice or help, I go and help them or have, like, meetings or I go on computer and log into their computers and do whatever they want me to do. That's it. And I am a full-time real estate professional right now. That's awesome. That's fantastic. A lot of benefits to being a a real estate professional, at least from a taxation standpoint, there's a lot of upside there. So in your multifamily syndication business, you know, what are you doing there right now? I know you're working with a lot of investors and you're doing a lot of deals. Can you give us a primer on uh, what you're doing there in the straight-up real estate business? Well, when I started with the multifamily business, I started with the, trying to buy our own because we had these 40 single family that we bought accidentally. And I have told my story how I got into those 40 single family by accident. 
on several other podcasts. So I'm not going to repeat here, but immediately we bought these single family houses. I realized that we should go multifamily because we wanted to scale. And I liked the, I actually had the passion for the real estate, which I didn't know until we bought these properties. So we decided to move on to multifamily and started looking for multifamilies. And uh, we gave LOIs on four properties in one year, but we didn't get any of them because we were not doing things the right way. Because I didn't learn the process before we we were trying to buy. So we were not underwriting it right. And we didn't know much about the single uh, multifamily. And it was totally a different animal than single family. So I started learning about it and I invested in a, a one of the syndications. And from there, we grew and started investing in more. My partners started investing because I was doing this and they wanted to get into this as well. So I brought them on board and invested in nine syndications so far as a LP and a GP. Awesome. That's added up to over 2,500 units. Correct. What would you say, and now there are a lot of lessons to, there are a lot of lessons we can go through that you've learned over time. When you were first making offers, you first making your LOIs, you made those four LOIs and you lost, didn't, didn't win on those LOIs. What were some of the biggest mistakes that you were making in there when you were submitting those letters of intent? The biggest mistake we were making was because we were comparing those apartments to our single family houses that we bought. So we did the same mistake in all the four because we were comparing with the single family and we were looking for the same kind of return in multifamily. But that was not the case because in single family, we got a pretty good deal. It was a very sweet deal and the cash flow <laughs> uh, was pretty good. And we were trying to get the same cash flow. So we were trying to put LOIs way b- below the market price. And we didn't, at that time, we didn't know how to do research on CoStar or anything. So we didn't have enough knowledge, to be honest. So you were unintentionally lowballing your Co- offers. Correct. Didn't work out. Correct. Very good. And then as you stepped into becoming a limited partner in syndications, what are some of the big lessons you've learned there? I mean, I don't know whether you feel you've made any mistakes in that regard. I I, I can't speak to you know your well, track record or anything like that. But what I have did, you learned? I did pretty good research before getting into syndication. And started with the, my research on bigger pockets, followed several syndicators, searched their records, searched their posts on bigger pockets, and then followed them to their websites. And I have investments with one of the best syndicators in the nation. So I didn't go yeah. and invest with everyone. I have the whoever has like 24 apartment complexes, 12 apartment complexes. And they're great on doing this. And they had done this. They had a pretty good record. So I looked into everything. And then I invested in my first deal in Dayton, Ohio. And after that, I kept doing it all over the nation. So now I have them in several, so I think five states, five syndicators. Interesting. So you had a pretty extensive study period before you got started. Correct. I had these, I had written these 42 questions 
which I have uploaded on Facebook as well, on my Facebook group. And these are the questions I asked to partner before because we don't know each other. We are all following each other. And then I do my research. And also, I have taken several courses, attended several boot camps, etc. And I prepared like these 10 pages. Wow. So I prepared my criteria, my investment criteria. How do I select my markets? How do I select the properties? How I bet on the syndicators? So I do all that research, which I didn't do before we started offering. So now I'm pretty on it. Wow. So from one engineer to another, you've taken the, you've done this in truly an engineering fashion and I tip my cap to you for that, systematizing, writing things down. Thank you. Well done. But you held up a few documents for folks that are not watching the video. You mentioned them. The first is 42 points, a couple things. Can you give us a taste of them? And then where can listeners get the full 42? Okay. I have a Facebook group, 10X. I saw your cup as well. 10X Multifamily Investment Group. So I am very generous on sharing my knowledge. I go there and we have like about 15, over 1,500 members in that group in about three months. So I am very generous to share my knowledge and information. And I have shared all, this is my four years research, four years and goes very much in details. So from one file, I keep it on Evernote. I'm an Evernote consultant as well. I share this information with my friends, whoever asked for me. So it has links to that, to all the articles outside and all the research I have done over these four years. From time to time, I keep loading all this information that I I have in my Facebook group. And let me tell you this. Today, I posted in this, this morning, I posted and I... And it's uh, I, I'm very thankful to all my members who trust me so much. I posted that I am updating my newsletter list because I am going to be releasing my have a monthly newsletter. So I wanted to add more people to it. I got 62 email addresses on Facebook, nice. not in my messenger. People just wrote it because they want my newsletter. They want that all that information from me. And I have been doing this for a long time now, but I was doing in other people's groups. But three months ago, I created my own group because uh, I wanted to be very specific because I share information. Sometimes people don't like it. So I created my own Facebook group. I share my information there. That's definitely generous of you. So, and I'm in in the group as well. And we'll put a, a link to the group in the show notes for folks that uh, want an easy way to get there, an easy way to ask if they can join. But let's give them a taste of the of the 42 points. What are a couple that you know, wet our beak and, and get us? Okay, I, I can read some of them. The First of all, I, I want to know who is the actual controller of the syndication. Sometimes there are several people in the deal. Somebody, they have different roles. Somebody sourced the deal. Somebody is asset manager on the deal. And somebody is just a money raiser on the deal. So there are several people in the deal, but I want to know who is the controller of the deal. So what if something happens to that controller? How much experience they have? How many deals they have they done? And I want to know if what kind of returns they have provided to their 
previous investors? Have they gone through a full cycle? What size and what kind of properties have they done? So I want to know all that before I can say yes to any part, even uh, investing passively. And there are several others I can go on and on if you want. But these are absolutely some- well. We don't want to give away the farm here. We want to give people a reason to join the Facebook group. But it's interesting. Um, you know, folks might not be aware that that haven't invested. You mentioned who has control of the deal. If if folks have just been limited partners or they're just thinking about it, thinking about investing in syndications, they might not know that general partnerships have delegations of responsibilities and roles and different people handle different things. So could you expand on that a little bit and maybe a little bit about include some of your history when you've been involved of good delegation of authority? Who was your experience there in investing passively and also as a general partner? What's a good split? Who should be controlling what and some lessons you've learned along the way in terms of delegation of authority in syndications? Okay, the first investment I did was with Syndicator who had everything in-house. So he had a KP in-house. They sourced their own deals. They do the asset management themselves. They do the property management themselves. So they they did everything. But soon after that, I realized that it's a teamwork. It's not one person's job. It's a teamwork whether you hire all these people or you just partner with all these people. So then I realized that there are several pieces, different structures for different uh, deals. So a lot of syndicators, they have different fee structures. They have different splits in the GP share of the portion of the, the deal. So there are like five main basic who sources the deal, who puts the money at risk for the due diligence and earnest money, and then who is bringing the money in, who is the cap equity partners. So they get a split. Then who is bringing the balance sheet and the liquidity to the deal? And then who does the asset management and construction of the deal? So they Everybody has their own supplate and it's a different, everybody, every group has different structures and different partnerships. But these are the main basic uh, pies of that that uh, deal of the GP share. Hmm. Interesting. So, did, did I answer correctly? It's your answer. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. So there's that split and that delegation of authority. And we've talked in previous shows uh, with other guests about asset management, construction management, specifically from your observation and experience, what are some of the keys to success in like asset management and construction management and really bringing the deal home and closing it out, knocking it out of the park? I believe if one person or two person are doing everything, they can't be good at everything. I believe in delegating the services who likes the best. So for example, one of my partners like the numbers. He's not operational. Somebody is operational, can do the construction and do the asset management from day to day, check with the property management and everything, put down the minutes, then they can present it to all the general partners, maybe once a week or every other week, whichever works for them. But everybody is not good at everything. I believe that somebody is good at raising money 
may not be good at the numbers. Somebody good at the numbers may not be good at the operational level. So I think delegating the duties it works best for the syndication process. Mm, absolutely. And you've delegated a lot of duties in your gas station business as well, or all the duties in exactly, your gas station Exactly. Business. I learned all that because I'm good at acquisition. So they use me anytime we buy a gas station or acquire anything. They ask me to deal with it. They don't deal with it. And after the acquisition, we, we have a system. So we have a proper system. Once the closing day, I don't go there anymore. Then they take it over and they know what to do and better than I do. I have done everything though, but I figured out over these years that I'm good at the evaluation of the business, evaluation of the property, looking at the numbers, calculating the numbers, what the profit is going to be, what the expenses are going to be. So I'm good at that and I'm good at negotiating skills. I know how to negotiate with the seller. That's what I did yesterday. And once it was signed, LOI was signed right there. I had him sign the LOI right there. And now my partner, she's going to take over and she's going to do the rest of the stuff. She's going to go apply for the licenses and all kind of stuff for the closing, get ready for the closing. And I'm going to go on the closing day and close everything, make sure everything is done right, and then she takes over. Nice. What are some ways that you've applied that experience in wiring and you know, obviously running the gas stations? How have you applied that experience to your multifamily business? I mean, are you, number one, are you going and running the numbers now? The number one is the numbers. The numbers are the same, whether it's a gas station, whether it's a NOI is the same. So number one is the numbers and number two is the teamwork. Again, we discussed it uh, just a minute ago. It's the same thing. I mean, somebody could be good at something. So I knew that I'm good at this. So I applied the same things. And sometimes even my partners don't know that I'm making a deal. Once I'm done making a deal, I tell them, okay, this is your share and this is what you're going to do. Take it over. So I've done this before and I know how to delegate duties and have them work for them. So basically, they're the operating guys and the acquisition guy. Interesting. So it takes time to for everyone to learn what they're good at, right? So how did you learn that you're the numbers guy? Was it just a process of going through and trying all the different roles and realizing, hey, this is the one I'm good at? Or did you need like get there? What happened there and figuring out what you're good at? In the okay. When I started 20 years ago in the gas station business, everything was on the papers. With my company that I partnered first, my gas station, I had a 30% share in that gas station and everything was on papers and I was a computer guy. So I started in Excel at that time in 2001. I made a program actually in Excel that we have been using so far up till today. We are using the same program. I keep updating it. And But we are using the same program for the last 20 years and everybody else in our area is using that program. We gave it for free. Wow. Yep. Straight up numbers guy. That's what you're good at. Yep. What is the best investment you've ever made? On the gas station or real estate? Anything. I the UK casing. What's the best investment you've ever made? I think I have been lucky enough 
that whatever investment I have made so far, I mean, every one of them is better than the other one. So interesting. Yeah. Even, I mean, we bought a gas station for 50,000 that makes 150,000 every year. Man, how do you do that deal? The deal I did yesterday is in the same town a mile away from that gas station. Wow. In that business, is that like an off-market type of business? Is that yes, it is brokers? Yes, it is off-market. It's off-market. I called, got a call from the, we call him a jobber. I got a call from the jobber and I knew that once it, this deal goes public, if they start calling, because I got a call because I had a gas station in the same town. And the other thing that we are their best dealers. So we are good operators. They consider us good operators. So he called me. It's like the multifamily. So just a broker calls somebody that can close on the deal, right? They don't call everyone. They call on those people who can close on the deal. And he knew that. And he called me on Friday. I made a deal on Monday at 10 o'clock. I didn't want it to let to the market, come to the market and lose that deal. Somebody might have offered way more money than I would have because if it came to the market, the seller started dragging feet when he saw that they are so interested in this deal because in the same town, we have been very, very successful and we have been there about 12 years. Wow. Is that a like a, a town where there's not a lot of supply? Are they not building new gas stations? I mean, like what's the, is there like some competitive advantage there? I mean, that's a huge multiple that you're getting on these. Well, I live in Fort Wayne. I have only two gas stations in Fort Wayne. All other gas stations are around Fort Wayne. The advantage we get is we are not very competitive as we are in Fort Wayne. And the other thing is all our gas stations outside Fort Wayne have food in them. So that's a plus, that's an advantage over being in a bigger city, being in a small town. And the margins on food is a lot more than anything else. I think so. You have food in the gas station and you make more money on the food, at least more margin on the food than on the gas. So Correct. Also about our laundromat, <laughs> I did a one-year research on laundromat before I built from ground up. I can pull up all the numbers on my phone. It's connected to my computers in the laundromat. I can stop all the machines from here. I can turn on any machine. I can put money on the card from here on, from my phone. Wow. Yep. So that's a ton of automation. A ton of automation. And I can exactly tell you that for the because we built it in 2012, it, we have been owned that for seven years, I can exactly tell what machine number made how much money in seven years. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's a, a lot of automation and systems in the business. Now, as far as the maintenance of those you know, items and everything, do you, how do you handle that? I mean, do you have, obviously, you probably have somebody that does it, but it's like a handyman and somebody... How frequent does that have to be? Is that a service provider? How's that work? Okay, you'll be surprised to know that we have never called a maintenance guy to do any maintenance on it. And it's all plug and play. You can call them and they'll tell you, okay, you need this part. We're going to send you this part. Just replace this part. Wow. In seven years, we have not paid a dollar for maintenance other than the parts. I used to do it myself. And now my son-in-law, he does it himself. Awesome. 
there's some delegation for you. He's not going to complain about doing that. On the other side of that, what is the worst investment you've ever made? The worst investment we made, we bought a house to flip without looking at it. We bought it at a sheriff's sale. When we went to the house that we bought, after buying that house, we immediately realized that we made a mistake. We're going to lose money on it. And we made 20000 on another house just a month ago. And I realized that we're going to put that 20000 in here and we're going to be even and we're going to get out of this business. And <laughs> But we ended up making $5,000 on that one too. So that was the worst deal we did. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, the flipping business, it's not a passive way to invest in real estate. It's very much a an operations type of yeah, it, really into it. It's a business. It's, it's not an investment. After we bought these gas stations, you know, the single family houses, I had the team. I had the all the team in place. So I thought, why not use them? And at that time, uh, I mean, we were getting houses pretty, I mean, maybe 75 cents to a dollar. And we started, and we that way we could keep those people put to work. So that's why we started doing that. And we were buying like in Fort Wayne over 100,000, 150,000 houses with our own cash. We were thinking, okay, let's do this. And we realized, soon realized that it's not an investment, it's a business. We had to spend time doing that. So, and, and we ended up paying all that money in taxes because it was considered as a ordinary income. And we, after a year, we decided not to do it. And we did three flips in a year. And we, wow. we made money on all of them, but we decided not to do it. Wow. That's that ordinary income thing is a, is a lot of folks don't realize that before they get into to flipping or when they get into it, they don't know that it's taxed as ordinary income and we and were really get whacked at the end we were on the top uh, slab of the income tax so we just gave money to the government after doing all that so we decided not to do it all right so my favorite question i ask at the you know, all the shows is what is the most important lesson you've learned in investing i think invest in yourself before you invest in any property by learning, networking, and talking to other people, what they have done. There's nothing to invent. New, there's nothing new to invent. So somebody has done this before. I think do that research and learn the, learn the business before you invest any money. Nice. I like that answer a lot. It's, uh, it goes along the lines of things that, that a lot of successful people say is, you know, have that, Study period, get to know what you're doing. Don't just jump in with two feet and do something stupid. Make a learn and make measured decisions before you take some kind of rash action. Yeah. Anything I have done without uh, doing my own research, I, I do research even if I am buying something on eBay. I do my research, what I am buying and what is the best, which one is the best and all that. But I think investing is not something that you should do blindly. You should research and learn. And I always tell my investors, though they trust me and they say, okay, we can sign wherever you tell us and we're going to invest wherever you tell us. But I always want them to learn because I don't want them to come after me if the deal goes bad. They need to know the risk and everything. What are the risks? And, and But 
they don't want to learn. But I think learning is the best lesson I have learned that absolutely must learn the business before you invest in any kind of that's great advice. I get I've talked to a lot of folks who are thinking about investing in real estate syndications, whatever the thing might be. And they're, they have a lot of fear of missing out. They're afraid of missing. Oh, I've got this deal in my email and it's closing in a couple of weeks and they need the money now. And I'm just thinking about it and yeah, take your time. Know what you're doing. Look at a bunch of deals before you invest. And you're not going to regret missing a deal more than you would regret investing in the wrong deal and losing money or partnering with somebody that, that you end up not being good partners with. Yep. Play with the paper money before you play with the real money. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So something I'm very curious about, you know, what we've got you is you're a successful guy, successful business owner. My guess is you don't need to be investing in these syndications. You don't need to be doing syndications. What's your why? Why are you, why are you in this business? Why do you keep growing and progressing? What keeps you going? Actually, after buying my single family houses, I decided to retire. At that time, I was like 50 years old, but I didn't know that I had so much passion for this business. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do something for my son. I'm going to leave him a legacy. I don't want him to get into the gas station business because it's a hard business. And my son is, he came to United States when he was six years old. So I want him to become a syndicator. And I know that the youngsters, they don't put too much time to learn. And my kids, one of my daughter has been married. My other daughter is in medical school in Virginia. My son is working for a syndicator. And also nice. he is in Cali School of Business. So he's my why. I want him to become a successful syndicator. So I'm trying to pave the way for him. I love it. That's awesome. So where can folks get in touch with you? You know, you mentioned the Facebook group. We'll have a link to that, but what's a, what are other we, good ways to get in touch? We have a website, www.growrichcapital.com, or they can reach me at kkkayky at growrichcapital.com. Great. And we'll have those in the show notes as well. As you mentioned before, you've done a number of interviews on Best Ever Podcast with uh, Whitney Sewell a couple of times. And few other friends of the show so those are on your website as well i think it yes want to learn more about what you're up to yes i have done in the last two weeks i this is my fourth one. Oh man you're out there but it's a lot of great content and great information and definitely recommend we'll join the facebook group great networking in there great lessons to learn for now thanks everybody for listening thank you for tuning in thank you for joining us i hope you learned a lot and i hope you take action and uh, learn before you jump. KK, thanks for your time, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much, Taylor. Thank you for having me on your show. It's my pleasure. Hey, my great pleasure as well. Take care, everyone. 